Right, good afternoon, everyone. Um, yeah, I think uh, the room is somewhat emptier because of the, the session going on concurrently. Um, but yeah, I look forward to, to chairing the session and to hearing what, um, what Peter Temple has to say about the future of insurance. Um, Peter is the regional director um, at Genry. He's responsible for Genry's uh, the UK, Ireland, and the South African life and health business. Um, he's worked for Genry for, for 19 years, which for over 19 years, which in itself is quite impressive um, to just be with one company that long. Um, prior to that, he's worked for Momentum Life and Southern Life um, um, and has um, something that we don't, we, we, um, I'm, I'm glad to, to, to see that you're still involved, Peter, is that he's been a past president of the, um, of the actual Society of South Africa in 2014-2015, so I'm really grateful to have your experience um, and your your knowledge still coming out and still looking at where we're we going and still shaping shaping us and shaping our insurance industry. So I'm really looking forward to your, your talk and I'm sure everybody else will, will join me in welcoming you to the stage. Thanks. Not on you, Decker. Um, I'm going to walk up and down if you don't mind. That's my preferred way of, um, of presenting rather than um, standing on the stage, um, so hopefully you'll bear with me. I'll try not to block the screens as I do that um, today. So my topic was uh, the future of insurance, and, um, and it is a big question, certainly with all the things that are taking place in the industry and certainly in the world in terms of insurance. There are significant changes happening, um, and I, I think it, you've heard numerous people talking about things like epoch shifts and uh, the landscape changing with regards to uh, digital insurance and fintechs and insurtechs and all of the things um, that I'm sure you more than enough are aware of. Uh, these things are changing the landscape significantly in our world, and there's no doubt about that. You might say, if you work for a life insurance company, you might have seen some of it, you might be aware of some of it, uh, but hopefully as we go through uh, the presentation today, you will be challenged on some of the thoughts and some of the things uh, that we should be thinking about from an industry perspective um, going well, forward. We have well. a generation now asking questions of why do I have to work that way? Why can't I live in that city and live in someone else's house or drive somebody else's car? Why do I have to own things? Why do I have to have you know, this single linear career as opposed to experience what it's like in life sciences and then be an artist? It's really challenging every aspect. So I have a, um, a nephew who um, works and lives in California, um, and he um, doesn't own a car. He says he has no intention of ever buying a car or ever owning a car. So from our perspective, I mean, he, he is going to change. What he needs from an insurance perspective is vastly different from what um, we need from an insurance perspective. So things are changing. The landscape is changing. The way people are behaving, the way people are thinking uh, is changing significantly. And with all the things that are changing, what we need to do is we need to move to a situation where um, we as an industry have to change. Um, my staff um, often talk about the and now um, from our business. We, we're always talking about doing what we've always done, the traditional uh, side of our business. Um, but in the past, you might have said, well, actually, you know, we can do the traditional side. And actually, when and if maybe um, the non-traditional side of things grows, we'll get involved in that as well. Now you actually have to do the traditional side and you have to be involved um, in the other side of the business and the changes that are taking place. You can't really choose to be involved in one or the other. 
um, there's no doubt that there's a significant change in the landscape. So you would also maybe pick things up in the past as an insurance company. If you work for an insurance company, you might have said, well, you know, we can't be um, big and do things quickly. Um, but actually, in the, today's world, you have to do things, you have to be big and do things quickly. Um, the, the whole thing has shifted significantly um, in our, our environment. And hopefully, as we go through today, you will see some of these things and some of the challenges um, that we are facing. One of the things that we did is we spent quite a lot of time thinking about the future of insurance, and we were talking a lot about it from a global perspective. Um, but what we realized was actually to be useful to understand what other people think about the insurance industry, um, people from inside the industry and people from outside the industry. So a couple of years ago, we actually did a research project of the senior people in the financial services market and futurists here in South Africa. And from that, we produced a video. Um, some of you may have seen that video. It was a video really dealing um, with what the South African market was facing and challenging. But what was interesting from our perspective is that as we uh, brought that video to this market, my colleagues across the world actually also were interested in these things and ended up the South African video being shown in about 10 different countries uh, and our clients across the world being saying, this is actually really interesting what we're hearing from the South African market. And it made us think and say, well, actually, maybe we should do some investigation into the international market and see what people are saying internationally. Um, so we set a researcher on the road for eight weeks, um, and they went around. Uh, and as you can see, they uh, interviewed 72 different participants. And we have 100 hours of video footage of the interviews. Um, they did it in all those places that you see um, there across the world. And what we did is we did exactly the same thing. We interviewed people who are in the insurance industry. We interviewed people who are not in the insurance industry, who are in the tech industry, um, who are periphery to the insurance industry or are getting into the insurance industry. So we really had a wide variety of people, um, and we asked them pretty much the similar questions. And the result of that is we actually have produced a video, again, of the global side of things. It's an hour-long video. There's another one for half an hour as well. But really summarizing the trends of what's going on. And what my intention is to do today is to take the major trends from that video and present them to you um, in the next 35-odd minutes. Um, so you'll see a lot of times we've used the video clips of people who are actually speaking and are giving um, the information, and they make the point much more powerfully than I can make it. So how are we as an industry doing? That's probably the first question we should be asking ourselves. How do we stack up from an industry perspective? We as an industry have lost the trust of our consumers. Insurance comes below banking. <laughs> That just makes me my blood boil because uh, what have we done to deserve that? We, you know, if you think about what the, the bankers of the world have done to the world over the last 10 years and, and yet still we're less trusted as an industry than, than banks, then we've really lost our way. The way we've looked at the world through actuarial risk management product design and distribution, those sort of building blocks, it's fundamentally changing. So the way that we do things um, is, is definitely changing. We are being challenged in the way that we think about things. Um, our traditional approach of looking back into the past to predict what's going to happen in the future is definitely not going to be the way of the future. Um, that is not a successful technique um, when you start looking at what's going on in the world. And we, we are being challenged. We're being challenged by other industries. We're being challenged by other people inside the financial services industry in the way that we think. And so, as you, could, you heard from this first speaker, actually, um, the insurance companies have a lower level of trust than banks. Um, and that, you know, why is that the case? Why are we at that particular point? 
So in a sense, we are behind. We're behind people in our own industry, uh, in the financial services industry. So how do, we, how do we really stack up? And there's a couple of things that you can have a look at. Um, this is from an insurance server that is done. They do um, annually, they do a supplement for the Times of London newspaper. And they do it on the future of insurance. I've been doing it for the last three years. And they do a variety of things. They ask a variety of questions um, in that survey. And this is one of the things uh, that came out from the one that was produced um, at the end of this year. I think it was in September, at the end of last year, September 2017. Uh, in a sense, even if you can't read the detail, if your eyesight's not that great, it doesn't really matter. And um, what's m most important, and the reason that I've got it up there, is if you have a look at the graph, the ones on the top are actually how the banks, banks are doing on these things. And the insurance companies are the ones below, which is the darker uh, pink color. And you can see very clearly that actually we are significantly lagging behind um, the banking industry. Uh, in, the, in, in the industry that's in the financial services industry and we're not even keeping up uh, with them. So if you have a look at the very first one, it says firms that work with startups or universities on digital initiatives. 60% of banks are already working with digital startups. Um, only 38% of insurance companies are. So it gives you just a sense of how far behind already uh, we as an industry, as the insurance industry are. So we're not doing great, um, but what are the things that um, are going to happen? What are the things that are showing us uh, the signs of the future? And what I've tried to do is I've tried to summarize them into a variety of different ones um, and pick up the sort of major themes, and these are the major themes that also came back uh, from the global research that we did. The first one, the first trend is to say that it is things are changing at an exponential pace. So things are changing much quicker today than they've ever changed before. There's no doubt about that. Um, and our thinking needs to change. Uh, and the, the video clips hopefully will um, impress that upon you quite significantly. A lot of the technology companies talk about is 10 times thinking. Well, if you look at our industry, we talk about very happy with a business plan that's plus 10%, plus 10%, you know. That's, that's, the way, that's the way our industry thinks. I think we have to think 10 times thinking, and that requires rethinking on a scale that's not about what an individual company does, but what's about how does our industry sector as a whole operate. That's what's going to challenge providers, distributors, regulators, and reinsurers. If you improve your performance linearly, you actually fall behind exponentially, right? In exponential times, if as things move away from you, if you just think, hey, things are going better and better, but you're staying on course, you fall behind exponentially. At some point, you're actually just falling off the cliff, even though it felt great, right? Think BlackBerry, boom, right? BlackBerry grew tremendously after the, the iPhone came in, right? But the world was moving away from them. So they were on this trajectory, and they didn't understand they were on a going out of business trajectory. In the old days, the going out of business trajectory looked like that. Today, it looks like this. So hopefully that gives you a bit of a sense of the challenge that we're facing. Um, as actuaries, hopefully we understand the difference between an exponential curve and a linear curve. And even a linear curve upward sloping does actually still fall behind exponentially against an exponential curve. Um, and his example of BlackBerry, I think, is one of the most powerful examples to make the point. Actually, you have to change, and you have to change much more than we're thinking. So if you think about your own company and the environment that you work with, you know, what is your, your, your stance? What is your headspace? Well, I suspect your headspace is um, a 10% increase on business plan from last year. Um, and certainly the industry is saying that's not the way of the future. That's not the way people are thinking. 
So things are moving at a much different pace. Um, we noticed this, even our researcher that we sent onto the roads, um, she noticed that even just the pace of the cities um, that she went to was uh, varied. And she noticed in particular that the three different places um, that you see on here, um, Sydney, Shanghai, uh, and, um, and San Francisco, uh, they actually create what's called the Yes Triangle. So in the technology space, they actually talk about this as the Yes Triangle. Um, it's places where things are being done totally differently. The pace is done at a much different speed from what we're used to. Uh, and she noticed it physically just even in the cities, let alone yeah, amongst the insurance companies and the people that she spoke to. There's a significant different approach um, that is happening in those markets. Insurers in, in Europe, um, I think they look at innovation mainly from a perspective of threat, while in Asia it's more the perspective of an opportunity. Uh, which, is, which is really, really interesting, right? So I was um, recently, at the end of last year, I went um, and I was in a variety of places on, in the East. And it was very noticeable to me, the conversations that I had with people um, in Singapore, in Malaysia, um, and in Hong Kong, uh, were very much in, in the line with this. They wanted to know what was going on in the world because they wanted to be able to use it to be able to challenge and to do things a bit differently in their business. They were accepting of that there's going to be change and they wanted to use that change to, uh, as a competitive edge against their competitors in their market. Whereas in the European markets, if you do talk to people in the European markets, they, they see it as well, how do we protect our business from the change that might be coming, um, a vastly different approach. The next major trend is obviously that of data. I suspect most of you should not be surprised um, to know that data is going to change the way that we do things. Um, and the challenge certainly for us as an insurance industry is to use the data that we have and to use it much better than we have. So I, I work obviously with insurance companies, so I have a sense of um, how well or not well you use data. I also actually am an independent director of African Bank, um, and uh, I see how the banking industry uses data. Uh, and one of the things I've realized uh, very quickly in working as an independent director of the bank is that they are miles ahead of us in the use of data. They understand it much better, they analyze it much better, and they use it much better than we do. And we think we're probably quite good at it, but actually um, we're not. Um, and that's something that we're going to have to change. So you've probably seen figures like this before. Um, this talks about how much data there is in the world. Um, up till uh, 2015 and versus up to 2017. So the, the, the projected figures, and obviously it's hard to get exact numbers on these things, but the projected figures is that 90% of the data that is stored today actually was generated between 2015 and 2017. So a significant amount of data. Now, you might sort of question that, but just think about it for a second. You've all got some sort of smartphone either in your pocket or in your hand right now. And you, um, from that data, that is actually, as you're doing stuff, it's actually generating data. Whether you used an app this morning or apps at some point in time, it's generated data and it's actually been stored somewhere. So you can imagine how much data is actually being generated um, in the world today. But they're predicting that actually only 1% of the data that is actually currently stored is actually used um, for um, the purposes of business. And it is definitely a sig significantly growing field. It's the fastest growing um, field in the US um, by miles at the moment. There's the most number of job vacancies in the field of data analytics. Um, so if you want to tell your children um, or the next generation to go into something, that's, the, that's probably the thing to go into um, as, as the world moves into more use of data. 
And not only is it a data-driven world, but actually it's a connected world. Um, you just, again, think about the computing power that you have in your pocket um, and the mobile technology power that you have. I think you've probably all heard it before, but that the computer, the, mo the, the mobile phone that you have in your pocket um, has more uh, memory and processing power than what sent uh, the first man to the moon. Um, so I always say to my kids, uh, and when I get home, I always say to them, so what have you done today with your uh, smartphone that's changed the way the world thinks? Because they actually have the ability to be able to do that, given the amount of power that they have in their pocket. Uh, we have an unbelievable amount of resource easily available to us today, um, which we just didn't have um, many years ago. So we are totally connected. We're connected into things all the time. You would have checked your emails. Uh, you would have accessed information. You would have kept up to date with the news. Uh, and all of those things are changing the way that we as um, a human race actually does things. And yet the insurance industry still uh, is significantly behind in many of these areas.它正好是跟我们这个微信的这种方式呢，有一个很好的一个契合。呃，它是第一个，它不仅是一个交互的一个平台，同时呢，它是可以有实时支付的功能，也能够引入视频的直播。那么这个不仅是对所有年龄段，
So my, uh, I have a couple of younger sons, um, and my one son actually pretty much does everything via auditory now, including turning his lights off in his bedroom. Um, he has Alexa connected up to his light switch and says, Alexa, turn off my lights, and she turns off his lights for him. Um, and, and it seems a bit strange for me. I mean, I, I look at that and think, okay, this, you know, I walk past the light switch, I can just flick it. Um, but his mindset is just totally different from mine in that regard. He, he's just in the auditory um, side of things in terms of the processing power. So you can see a little bit of it coming through. It used to be that only a very few amount of people had access to computing power. Supercomputers of yesterday were only available to very few with significant funds, right? And then we got, you know, personal computing power and that circle enlarged. And then we got mobile computing power and again, the circle enlarged. But something else significant happened, which is that it wasn't just that the circle enlarged, but that those who reached mobile computing technology didn't ever have a supercomputer or a personal computer, right? So we can't think of it as an extension of a market, but rather the creation of an entirely new market. And that, that requires not an extension of banking services and products or insurance products, but actually the creation of an entirely new model to serve this segment of customers and the jobs that they need to get done. So there's the real challenge for us because in fact, I mean, we should be more aware of this in the South African market and that, that there's a, in a whole segment of our market population who never would have ever owned a computer and will probably never own a computer and yet they've got a mobile phone and a smartphone in their pockets. Um, so there's, you know, it's, it's a great example and illustration of exactly um, the point that that gives us a whole new market. And if we just tackle that market in the same way we normally tackle any other insurance market, um, we will not be successful. We do need to be thinking about it uh, from a different perspective. The next major trend is that um, of the fact that no longer are things done by yourself. So if you worked for a large corporation, old Mutual Momentum, Liberty, whoever you might work for, um, you probably, if somebody comes along and says, you know, I can do A, B, and C for you, most of the time the mental capacity of those companies are always thinking about, could I do, well, I can do this myself, I can probably do it better, I don't need this bloke to do it for me. Um, but that is changing in the world without a doubt, um, that things need to be co-created now. The industry is starting to realize it's time for change too. And that's why even on a VC perspective, you could see how the number of investments are raising. And on the startup scene, you could see how many more startups are starting to focus on insurance and pivoting from other industries into InsurTech. And InsurTech wasn't even a buzzword a few years ago, but it is now. So if you have a look very quickly, this is just uh, a graph of um, the number of times the words InsurTech and FinTech are actually Googled um, from Google. So you can have a look, and again, you don't even need to see the detail, but you can just see what the pattern of the graph looks like. It gives you a very clear picture as to, to what happens. Two of them are InsurTech because it's, um, it's the way InsurTech is spelt. But I've personally experienced this. Um, from my perspective, when I, in 2015, I actually went back and counted in my, in my calendar how many times I'd met with a startup in InsurTech or FinTech, and it was twice. Uh, in 2016, I did about 35 meetings with an InsurTech and FinTech, and, and then in 2017, we did well over 70 meetings. And that's just me. Uh, I have staff um, who also are meeting with these people, and in fact, many times now in the 2017 meetings, uh, I'm not even involved. So uh, as a corporation, we probably um, have gone exactly the same way from an exponential curve in terms of dealing with people who are thinking differently uh, and wanting to look at different things. It is a definitely a changing market. 
And many of those companies that meet with us are not people who actually will be a direct competitor for an insurance company, but they may have some service offering or some aspect that they can improve um, for you as, as an insurance industry. So they're not even necessarily looking as a full competitor, but they're looking for uh, a, a segment of the business or some involvement um, in the insurance industry itself. The next major trend is that actually things are not just co-created nowadays, they also um, are very personal. People uh, actually are prepared and want their uh, information to be used and they want it to be used in a way which benefits them. And you yourself again experience this all the time. So for instance, you are prepared to give away your location um, on your cell phone when you use your weather app, as an example. Because actually when you open the weather app in the morning, you do want them to tell you the weather of where you are in Johannesburg. You don't want them to tell you of the weather, what the weather like is in London. And you're not actually interested in that. So you say, yes, I'll give you my, you can use my location because it's a direct benefit to me. You're prepared to give up something um, in return for getting a benefit um, for it. And, and that is also applying in the insurance space. So if you, again, this comes from the same survey from the future of insurance from the Times of London newspaper. Um, you have a look, they interviewed people and they asked people, what data are you prepared to give up um, if you can get direct benefit from it? Uh, and the answer is a lot. So if you, if you have a look, you'll actually see um, health data is the third one from the top. Um, and so that says that 40% of people are prepared to give up um, their, their health data. Um, sorry, that's, uh, it's, it's actually not willing. So 60% of people are actually prepared to give up their health data um, in return for getting some benefit directly for themselves. Now that's probably not something you would have guessed if I'd asked you that most people are prepared to give up their health data if they can get better terms on insurance or it can be a direct value to them. But actually that's what the industry is saying to us. They are, individuals are prepared to give us information if uh, that we, they can actually use that information for their benefit. So they want to know they can get some benefit out of it. And even the things that are right on the bottom of these things, um, so, which is actually internet browsing history, um, still 30% of people are prepared to give up their internet he browsing history to insurance companies if they can get some benefit out of it. Um, you, uh, that, is, that actually staggers me when I see that sort of level of statistics. People are prepared to give their information away um, if they can get a benefit. Nike, for example, that used to just sell us products, right, hardware, but by having an app like Nike Plus, for example, by having Nike Running Club uh, and allowing you to co-produce or co-innovate which kind of shoes perfectly fit you, all of a sudden they're finding that the digital software is selling more of the hardware and they're fundamentally invested in your own self-actualization or climbing of Maslow's needs hierarchy. Technology is showing that it can solve the trust issue better in most cases than brands and history and even regulators. So those are the major trends that we picked up um, from the research. Um, you might probably want to say, well, I've, I've started with a, a presentation of saying, where are we at as an insurance industry? And I said, not in a great place. These are the major things that are changing um, that the world is telling us is changing. So how are we doing right now from an industry perspective so as well? I heard one of the CEOs of one of Australia's largest broking houses here last week say, we'll never move away from the high-touch human model. And I thought, oh dear, okay, yeah, you're gonna be in trouble because you'll need to because companies like us will replace that high-touch human-to-human interaction using machines and we will make the whole thing more efficient. 
So I was uh, uh, meeting with a, a CEO of a large life company in the UK um, about a month ago, and um, following the meeting, we were talking about digital and fintechs and insurtechs, etc., um, as we tend to do these days. And um, he actually turned to myself and my colleague who were with me and said, um, we're a fully digital business. Um, we are 100% prepared for the future. We don't need to do anything more. Um, we're ready set. And I thought to myself, mate, you have no idea. If you think that you are fully digitally prepared for the future and you're not going to have to do anything, if I wasn't invested in that business, I would have sold my shares immediately after that meeting. Um, there's no ways that if he remains in that business, that in my view, that business will be successful. Um, because the world is definitely changing around you. And if you think that you have already arrived and done everything you needed to do, um, you are not going to survive. So we definitely are moving um, to an environment which is changing. I think people are starting to realize that actually you do need to test and learn and do things differently um, from an insurance perspective. And um, the insurance companies are actually saying this too. So again, that's research on the left-hand side um, is the things that insurance companies say, say, believe that they should be doing um, and, and either are doing or believe at least they should be doing. And you'll see the numbers are quite high. 87, 86, 96% of people say, yes, we need to be doing all these things. But the interesting thing is, actually, when it comes to whether they are actually doing it or not, uh, the answer is no, they're not. So we did a research, another research project globally amongst all of our clients and asked people, um, actually, what are you investing in? What are you doing? What are the things? And they all came back and said the same thing. Yes, we believe we should invest, but actually many of them came back and said, we are not doing it. Um, you probably can't see it that well, but that left-hand gray um, block, um, actually, when we ask people, why aren't you doing it, 40% of them says, because we don't have the budget, we don't have the money set aside for doing it. So they're saying on the one hand, actually, we think we have to do it, we believe you, but then they're not prepared to commit resources to actually doing it. I mean, it's, it's sort of a little bit of a, a strange uh, a strategic situation where they recognize they have to do it, but then saying, well, actually, we won't put our money where our mouth is um, for going to, into the future. So it is a really strange position that we find ourselves as an industry. So how do we actually move towards where the new world is going to be? And I did say it's an and because I clearly understand we come from a market, we've got large companies, we've got people that are active already in the, these markets. How do we actually move into the, the digital space and where the new world is actually moving? And it does require us to think vastly differently, I think, going into the future. It is a, a shift in our capability and our thinking and our approach um, to the markets itself. If you're focused on improving existing products, then you're going to quickly lose the race because the race is being run around jobs that need to get done. And that means that you have to understand not the customer, but the job that that customer needs to get done or wants to get done. And, there, and therefore, you need to innovate based on that, not on an existing product or on a customer need or past data. So you have to do things differently. You have to think about things differently. We have to do things um, differently. And it will require us probably to think um, more a different approach to things like life insurance, as an example, as well. Currently, the insurance industry is a what-if industry. What if something were happened to your car? What if something were happened to your health? What if you lost your job? We believe that over time, it could become a so-how industry. So how do I live a better life? So how do I avoid that risk? So how can I edit my child's genes so that he can actually live a typically developing child's life? So how, so how, so how? As soon as we make the transition from a what-if business proposition to a so how, 
we're really redefining where risk products can play a role. So we do need to think differently. I, I found that quite challenging, that clip, about um, moving our, our thinking from a what-if environment, because I think the insurance company is very much in the what-if environment to becoming a life-enabling partner, um, the so-how side of things. Uh, and I think some of the successful companies are starting to think about how do we do that uh, as an insurance industry? How do we change from being a what-if um, to a so-how? Um, and you've seen that guy actually he works for a, a large insurance company um, as well in terms of, of his thinking and where they're trying to go as an organization. We have to move from dealing with, um, dealing with fixing the problem once it's happened to helping people make better choices in their day-to-day -day life that prevent things and enable them to live more confidently in their day-to-day -day life. If we're fulfilling a need like that, I can see that there's a there's a reason for them to interact with a, with a provider. So we definitely need to change. We have to think differently. We have to approach things differently. Um, and those things are not necessarily um, going to be easy to do, and they are going to take a significant amount of time to do. But you do have to start thinking about how do we do things differently for different groupings of the economy. So for instance, one of my staff did a presentation on gigas and slashes, um, and those aren't uh, terms that you may or may not have heard, but they're not uh, negative terms. They're actually talking about people and the way that they work. Um, so if you've never heard of them before, um, go Google them, find out what it is that you need to find out. But it is about new and different ways of working. And how do we um, provide benefits for people who are working in a very different uh, approach and thinking about things from a different perspective? You know, we traditionally think about group insurance and we provide group insurance products, but these people probably are not going to get covered by a group insurance product. So how do, we, how do we market to them? How do we reach them? How do we provide things um, to them that matter? So the solutions need to change. The products need to change. The thought processes around the products um, need to change. Uh, I shouldn't have to preach to you about the fact that there are many people in our country and, in, and throughout our continent um, who are not being covered by insurance. And the opportunity to be able to reach those people, uh, if we think again traditional product uh, in terms of how to, reach them, uh, how to reach them through traditional approaches, again, we are not going to be successful. But if we think about reaching them through alternative means and to, to using different products, and we think about them, um, why they've bought mobile phones and things like that, actually we are suddenly opening up another marketplace for ourselves um, that we are currently not reaching. And the way that we do things, how we create with other people, how we co-create with insurtechs and fintechs, I think is changing. We have to realize that it is a co-creation environment. Um, we have to embrace new technologies. We have to think about how do we use technology differently. Um, again, the example from the Chinese market, if you think about how they use WeChat, and it's just integrated into their business, it's just part of the way that they think. We have to start thinking about how we're going to use blockchain and the technologies um, that come from the blockchain environment and other things that come in machine learning uh, and things like that, which are absolutely crucial for the success um, of the future. It's, it is changing the mindset, it's changing the conversation, it's changing um, the way that we treat and behave with customers as well. Uh, and the number one problem that a lot of our champions have inside of these corporates is the business unit integration, which that requires the cultural change. The big corporates are playing chess, the startups are playing checkers. They're two different games. It's not like one side has to come here and the other side moving here. It's meeting in the middle ground. It's that both sides have to you know, make a move and an effort to understand each other. The biggest challenge for big financial services companies is to iterate and innovate 
within the confines of regulatory and brand constraints. So if you're trying to iterate and you're using your own brand, you run a significant risk of damaging your brand if you release something to the market that's not perfect. This is why collaboration with small players, specifically startups, provides a huge window of opportunity to big companies because they can test ideas with small companies without having to take on the risk of having it damage their brand if something goes wrong. Furthermore, big companies are great at scaling things, but they're not great at creating them. And small companies are great at creating things, but they're not really good at scaling them. So we have to think about how we work together. And again, hopefully that's a profound challenge for us in terms of thinking about things and the way that we go forward. Um, because we do have different skill sets, and it's actually meshing those skill sets together and using that um, to the benefit of the industry. So we do have to change. We have to be courageous. We have to think about doing things vastly different um, from the way that we're doing things, while continuing and understanding that we have an existing business that is running, and we need to actually uh, continue running that business as well. In this exponential world, if you are not certain whether you're the wolf, then sadly, you are the sheep. Right? If you, the wolf is a territorial creature, and if you do not understand that your territory has shifted like Blackberry, and you start to say, wait a minute, what is the new territory? It's smartphones, it's screens that are, you know, interactable. Then you're all of a sudden a sheep. Blackberry became a sheep. And so the capacity to see a signal, to define it as a new territory that you can again be in a somewhat dominating and dominant role, a wolf kind of role, is really fundamental to the success of an enterprise. So I guess you have to ask yourself, um, do you work for a sheep or do you work for a wolf um, at the moment? So where, where is your mindset? Where is your thing? And if you don't know, then you know the answer already. Um, you're probably a sheep. Um, so that's, uh, it is a real challenge in terms of the thinking um, of the industry. Every organization, no matter where you are in the value chain to the customer, this is a real bull by the horns moment where, you know, if you miss this window, then someone else is going to be dragging you. So there's no question about it that actually um, from all the research that we did and all the conversations that we had from the, uh, the 100 hours um, that actually people are saying um, now is the moment. Things have changed significantly. It is a question of how do we as an industry respond? How do we, we tackle this opportunity? Uh, how do we use it for our benefit? Uh, I consistently get asked um, by people um, as me being a reinsurer, you know, what do we as a reinsurance company believe we've got to offer? And in fact, many times I think um, we are really in a supporting role. It's actually the insurance industry themselves that needs to tackle and, and, and actually take these things on. I mean, we have a, a great advantage in that we obviously have international collaboration and we get to meet people across the world. So I, I've met you know, fintechs and startups um, from various different countries across the world. And we can obviously, and that might be of benefit to our South African clients, so we can actually bring those people and, and introduce them to, to you and, and you can get the value from them. But the reality is actually it's the insurance industry that really needs to take um, the forefront of this. It's really, we can play a supporting role, 
but it really is uh, the insurance industry. And people do need to think differently. Um, I, I made the point uh, when I was doing this presentation before um, that the regulators need to think differently. And um, I'm not sure if there's a regulator here today, but um, there was a regulator sitting in the front um, when I said it the last time, uh, and they got up and said, we are thinking about things differently. So I said, good, that's nice to, nice to know. But actually, we'll have to tackle regulation differently. The regulation needs to be thought through differently to enable insurance companies uh, to do things differently. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm happy to take any questions um, in the time that we have available. Uh, thank you, Peter. Um, any questions? Uh, we have one there, Yuck, here, who's got the other mic. Peter, in, in, in the research, um, maybe it came out and I just missed it, but in terms of the, the basic distilled client need for, for having um, life insurance, even if it does translate into a so-how as opposed to a what-if, that sort of basic need of having a life cover provided and having guaranteed insurability um, and to a degree um, a measure of affordability um, uh, over its lifetime. Is, is that also a need that you guys saw changing? Or I'm just thinking back to the, the conversation earlier this morning um, on, on TCF, to what extent expectations have changed over the past 30 years and the next 30 years will look, probably look vastly different or, or, will, or, or, or won't they? So, I mean, I do think it has changed. I, I, I think a lot of people are starting to think about um, insurance not as, I mean, we've always traditionally talked about it as a product that's sold um, and people only buy it because we sell it to them. Um, and I think if you see some of the, the research that's done, in fact, if you see the whole video, um, you will see that it comes through quite clearly that people are actually saying, well, actually, we have quite a lot to offer. Um, and people are actually accessing that offering. So the, the so-how guy, I think, is the, is the key thing. It's saying, actually, in our mind shift, um, we need to move away from actually we protecting things, which is the, the what-if, um, to actually we becoming a life-enabling partner. It's a totally different purchase. Um, if you're buying life insurance because actually it will enable you to, and one guy said, alter the genes of my child, um, you know, that's like a mind shift change. Um, every time I hear that, I sit there thinking, you know, that's just like a different level. I mean, I never thought about that when I had kids as to, you know, could I actually alter my, my son's genes to prevent him from having, um, and if we can provide a product that enables us to do that, you know, it's a totally different world. Um, so I, I think the products are changing. I think the mindset is changing. I think what customers will want, and if we really want to access things into the future, I think those things will change. Any more questions? Right. Um, we have a few minutes before the, the other team are, are coming in. But Peter, I just really, really want to thank you. Um, it's a very thought-provoking. Um, I think for myself, I'm now going to try and, and wake up to the thought. So, so how, given all the challenges that we're facing, um, not to, to be afraid of them, but to actually look at them as opportunities, whether it be the challenges in South Africa um, or challenges in the insurance industry, whatever we're facing, if we come up and wake up and go, well, so how? how can we help? I think we can see a huge change um, in, in the landscape of the insurance industry in South Africa over time. So thank you very much for your time, Peter. Can I also just say that if anybody does want to see the full video, it's not publicly available yet, but it will be. We will, um, we will release it um, fairly shortly um, on YouTube. 
But um, if you do want to see it, you can welcome to contact me or any one of my colleagues at Genry. Um, we'd be happy even to come and show it at your company. Um, a number of companies I know have already done that, um, but we, we're more than happy to do that. We actually have, as I said, an, a half an hour version and an hour version. Uh, I always say to people, um, if after watching the hour version you're disappointed, um, I will um, pay for you and your wife or your husband or significant other partner to go out for dinner. And I haven't yet had that opportunity of anybody coming back to me and saying that was disappointing. So um, I really do believe it will be well worth the hour um, for you and your colleagues at a company to, to see it. Um, and uh, and I, I, I really would doubt you would um, not enjoy the, the, the interviews and the, and the time. So thank you very much. Thank you very much.